Good morning. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Freedom and Wealth Podcast. This is your host, Brian Nicolason. Thank you for joining. I know it's been a little while. Our last podcast was actually done on St. Patrick's Day. So a little over a month ago uh, here at our firm, we've been doing uh, quarterly reviews, uh, working with each one of our clients at the end of the first quarter. So have just been incredibly busy and also uh, incredibly busy taking on a lot of new clients. Uh, Folks are really um, seeing some of the weakness in, in some of their advisory relationships as we experience a once in a decade, potentially once in a lifetime market situation. I mean, we've never really been in this situation where we have this record inflation, inflation at an all-time high, as much as they want to tell us that it's a, a 40-year high, which is bad enough. It's actually an all-time high. If you use the 1980s calculation, our inflation rate currently is about 17%. So we've never seen inflation this hot. And, uh, and we have a slowing economy at the same time. We have 0% interest rates and the Federal Reserve is going to be tightening uh, their monetary policy, raising interest rates and, and reducing their balance sheet. So we've never been in this situation. We're seeing continued market volatility and sustained market sell-off and most of our clients uh, that you know are with other advisors in in some aspect really just have not heard from the other advisors and that's really um i'm not sure what the rationale for that is except for the fact that the advisors don't know how to deal with this market and uh really just trying to avoid talking to their clients as they lose massive sums of their retirement so Anyway, uh, again, we've been very busy. We're going to get back on track here uh, now that the quarterly reviews are, are completed. Uh, we're going to get back on track and, and do these once a week. So uh, for today, because we're going to do a little bit of a catch up, uh, we want to hit, hit, hit you guys pretty hard with uh, just what's been going on in the market. We're going to go through a lot today uh, in a short period of time. So we're just going to go plow right through this and uh, give you a little bit of a market update, talk a little bit about um, what we've been talking with our clients about. So uh, just from a market perspective, when we were speaking uh, on our last podcast, that was March 17th, March 14th on the S&P 500 was the low. The S&P 500 was down about 13% year to date on March 14th. And from there, it rallied up 10%. Uh, by the end of March, it was only down three and three and a half percent. Again, that's the S&P 500. You see the NASDAQ, which is, I think, a little bit more uh, relevant on, to a lot of investors today is as the focus in the tech trades have been have been so big over the last few years. Uh, but in the S&P 500, it rallied again 10% through March. And really part of that rally was a hope that the Fed wasn't going to tighten all that much. I think once the Fed dropped the word transitory and started talking about that they were going to be serious about this inflation and the inflation print started coming out you know, in the high single digits, 7%, 8%, you know, 9%. And again, that's the fake numbers that the government publishes. Once those big prints started coming out and the Federal Reserve really started talking about tightening, that's when we saw that initial sell-off. But then the the March meeting happened, March 16th, I think it was. And uh, there wasn't much action. It was a quarter point. Uh, They didn't start, they're basically still buying assets. They're they're not even uh, unloading the balance sheet at all. So really dovish first step 
And um, I think the market was very happy with that. I think there was also a lot of optimism at that time in March about uh, the fact that Ukraine would somehow just resolve itself, right? That, you know, Putin would either give up or, you know, just walk away. Uh, and that clearly has not happened and, and is not likely to happen. Um, and so that was really what pushed the market up throughout March. And then early in April, we had Lael Brainerd, uh, the vice chair of the Fed, came out with some really hawkish comments. And, and partially, I'm sure it was planned as just someone to break the news about the quantitative tightening program that was discussed and agreed on in the March meeting. We then saw that come out in the minutes a few days later, I think, from that from her comments. Um, and basically looking at the fact that you know, the Federal Reserve is going to be looking to unload $100 billion a month in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities off the balance sheet, back into the system. And, um, and that was followed then shortly thereafter, uh, just maybe last week, where Jerome Powell came out talking about the 50 basis point hike was on the table. Um, there's been a lot of, of the, the you know, FOMC out there talking about 75 basis point rate hikes and really a lot of hawkish commentary coming from the Fed. And it's put back that fear into the market that, wow, you know, maybe the Fed is actually going to fight this inflation. And so we've seen a big sell-off. We're back down 12% on the year. Uh, we had a horrible end of the week last week in the markets and the markets continue to sell off. Today, there was a little bit of a rally at the end of the day, but nothing compared to what we lost Thursday, Friday last week. And so you see these, these big reductions in the stock market again. And this really brings forward what we have to be talking about. And again, this is incredibly important for our clientele who are baby boomers who you know, are down, some of them down 10% on the year, some of them down 15%, 20%. I see stuff down 30% on the year. Uh, especially if they add these big tech names. Um, and so it's so important to be very cautious right now. And, and you're actually hearing it on all the, the talk radio out there where, you know, the host will ask a, a market analyst from some company, uh, hey, what, what should investors be looking at? And unfortunately, the only answer that they have is cash because you are seeing reductions in the bond market and the stock market. And in fact, the bond market, I think, in many cases, is down more than the stock market this year, uh, or at least it was last week before this recent stock market sell-off. So we have baby, basically structural problems, both in the stock market and the bond market. And the answer truly is the fact that liquidity in the system is everything. It's the only thing that matters. Um, you know, what happens in Russia is, is small from a financial perspective for the United States market compared to what's going on with the Federal Reserve and their plans to, to fight inflation. And so we take this back, you know, to, we could go even further back, but really since 08, I mean, we've seen this uh, QE program after QE program, a continued expansion of the Fed balance sheet, the Federal Reserve just injecting trillions and trillions of dollars into the economy, blowing the balance sheet up to $9 trillion dollars. And that's just purely injecting money into the liquidity. And, you know, as you, as you uh, put liquidity into the market, you see a shift 
to risk assets because the more liquidity that's in the market, then the easier it is to sell an asset, right? If I can, if there's somebody out there willing to buy, because there's so much money floating in the system, both on the public sector and the private sector, then I'm much, it's much more easy for me to sell a risk asset. So I'm much more likely to own a risk asset. And so the average investor moves slides on the risk curve towards risk and away from safety. And as interest rates are down, safety is even less uh, attractive. So we've seen that over the last decade. And we've seen this create this massive expansion in the stock market price and the real estate market price. And we've really seen this bubble blow up. And the end result, okay, is basically since 08, the only time we saw a down market really besides COVID, which was a a different scenario, was 2018, which was the last time the Federal Reserve raised interest rates and tried to shrink the balance sheet. So the result has been not only a a huge expansion in in the stock market uh, and and the bond market, we've had a bull market in both sectors uh, and the housing market, but it's also created this massive inflation. And now we have this inflation problem. And as much as the government wants to blame it on Putin, fact is core inflation year over year is up six and a half percent, and that excludes food and energy. So that is not Putin. So there's there's no even reason to blame any of this on Putin. The fact is it's from government money printing, bad monetary and fiscal policy, and we've created this inflation monster. And again, it is a monster. It is the it is 17% year over year. You're seeing consumers just completely tapped out. They cannot buy anything besides, you know, gasoline and food. I mean, the 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 consumer is weakened to a point where they're tacking on record amounts of credit card debt because of this inflation. And and I was actually reading another number where they were talking about the pass through of inflation month to month, and it's elevated right now to a record number. It's about seventy two percent. And the second month after that is 50%. So what I mean by that, if there's a if there's a, a 1% inflation in this month, next month, there's going to be a 72 basis point inflation as a carryover from this month. And the month after that, it's going to be 50 basis points. So there is a significant carry forward of inflation. And based on the calculations that we've been reading, you're looking at this inflation shock, if you will, if they're able to contain it. Um, even if they're able to contain it, this inflation shock is likely to last two and a half, three years. So we have the, a lot of inflation ahead of us. And again, that's assuming that they're able to uh, contain this inflation. So, uh, you know, the fact is, how are they going to be able to contain it? Well, they're going to have to shrink the balance sheet at the Fed. They're going to have to raise interest rates and they're going to have to tighten big time their monetary policy. and it is going to basically put us into a recession. I mean, a soft landing by any stretch of the imagination is pretty much impossible. The idea that they're somehow going to be able to raise interest rates and not cause a recession is almost laughable as to how ridiculous of a notion that is. And so, but they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to manufacture this recession if they're going to save the dollar. And what they've already released, and the question is, will they be able to do what they say? They do what they said they're going to do, right? Can they walk the walk uh, and not just talk the talk? Well, what they're looking at is a $2 trillion reduction in the balance sheet. 
So on the public sector side, that's the big way that they're going to be uh, adding or, or taking liquidity out of the system. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, about $100 billion a month is the Fed is planning on selling treasuries. Now, by the way, the federal government is borrowing or refinancing. So they have to refinance old debt and they got to borrow for new debt uh, based on their deficit spending somewhere in the ballpark of $200 billion a month. So they're, the federal government's out there selling $200 billion a month in treasuries. And right now, until uh, today, the Fed is out there the, as the biggest buyer, right? They're buying $100 billion a month, uh, and now they're going to be selling $100 billion a month. So this is a $200 billion monthly swing in the demand for treasuries. And as demand goes down, right, when, the, when there's no demand for something, uh, if you own a store and there's no demand, well, what do you do? You lower prices, right? You have a sale. Well, that's what's going to happen in the bond market. As the demand evaporates, not only the Fed was out there creating consistent demand, now they're competing as another seller with the federal government. So now you're going to have massive amounts of treasuries in the system every month. And the demand is not going to be there because central banks around the world are also going to be selling their treasuries. As they see the Fed going to be selling, they're going to try and get out there and sell treasuries too, because why would they want to own these as the price continues to go down? And this creates a massive spiral in a decrease in price of treasuries. And so a decrease in price means a rise in yields. So this is all happening basically where you're going to see a, a big push down in the bond market and, and it's already down you know, 10% on the year. So we have another long way to go as the Fed really hasn't even started selling their treasuries yet. So as they start to do that, you're going to see a huge reduction in the bond prices. At the same time, you're seeing increased volatility, okay, in the stock market and the bond market. And so, uh, and you have rising interest rates. So corporations, right, that are borrowing as volatility increases, when they're borrowing money and they're placing collateral, uh, if that collateral is a more volatile collateral, right, like a stock price, then they're, uh, the person loaning them money is going to be requiring more collateral, right? So that's increasing cash pools, which then decreases liquidity even further. Also, they're going to have rising interest rates. So the servicing cost of the debt is going to be greater. So that's, again, create sucking more cash out of the system. And this is a massive decrease in liquidity in the system. And when the liquidity in the system dries up, right, as, as it's manufactured here, then the average investor has to slide along that risk curve back to the safe assets. Because as the demand or the liquidity in the system dries up, there's less buyers for risk assets. And so if there's less buyers, I'm less willing as an investor to take that risk if I know that there's, there's decreased amounts of people they're going to want to be buying those assets, right? So I'm going to move down the safe side of the curve and look more towards the bond market. And that's what we've seen in the recent days. Stock markets sold off, right? And there's been a, already a reduction in liquidity in the system. There has been a little bit of a flight to safety into the bond market. And that's given the bond market a little bit of a reprieve from its, its basically straight downward trajectory. But that's going to be short-lived. Again, as the bond market starts to crash as well, Folks are going to be losing money in the stock market, trying to get in the bond market. They're going to be losing money there. And they're going to eventually just move to cash. And as they move to cash, 
uh, and, and other basically precious metals as a safe store of value, you're going to see big decreases in bond prices, especially on the long end of the curve. And you're going to see rising prices of commodities like precious metals. So this is the type of movements that we're seeing in the market. And, and again, so many advisors that are, are asset managers don't even understand what's happening in the system. And uh, their clients are going to be losing massive sums of their retirement nest egg. So just to take a, a step back here, okay, you know, we talked a little bit about not how the public sector and the private sector are going to be pulling liquidity out of the system in huge amounts, which is going to reduce bond prices, reduce stock prices. Uh, and, and then you also have the housing side of it as well. You know, you're looking at the Fed right now, they have a Fed funds rate of a quarter point. OK, and the 30 year is currently just under three uh, percent. It was around three percent. OK, now, if the Fed funds rate is supposed to go to three or three and a half, which they say they're going to get to by the end of the year, then you're going to see 30 years. Treasury yields are going to be over five, maybe even close to six percent. Right. So. As that yield curve comes kind of stays normalized and you see these rise in the 30-year yields and a reduction in 30-year prices, right? You're also going to see a significant rise in mortgage rates. Mortgage rates already went from 3% to 5%, and, and the 30-year is still at 3%. So as the 30-year goes to 5%, you're going to see mortgage rates at 8%. This is going to cause a massive correction in the housing market. Adjustable rate mortgages are not going to be affordable. New home prices are going to go down, and bond yields are going to continue to push up. Stock prices and bond prices are going to continue to come down. So we've already seen a lot of this beginning to play out. We're seeing, you know, we saw a flattening in the yield curve first. Uh, and then you're going to see, again, that 30-year push up. Um, you've seen the, the, the rotation already to defensive stocks. That happened early on in the year. But now you're seeing that broad market sell-off. So you know, we have our strategy, which is basically you need to be in cash. It's truly the only safe haven from this market sell-off that's going on. And, you know, you're also seeing, as of this week, a commodity sell-off. So it's a little bit of a different animal. There's a lockdown going on in China um, based on COVID. So the that's really what's causing a reduction in oil prices and other commodity prices along with it. But the fact is there are significant and permanent disruption, disruptions in the supply chain of food and energy. And you're going to see significant higher energy prices, significant higher food prices over the next year or two. Um, and this is, this is going to be continuing to play into our strategy, which is to own the commodity side. But we've even reduced that uh, as we saw some of this demand start to come down for commodities with the China lockdown. But once that China lockdown somewhat resolves itself, you're going to, again, see that increase back up in oil prices, only fueling the inflation, fueling the Federal Reserve's need to fight the inflation, and fueling the continued sell-off in the stock market and the bond market. And you could see a 30% top-to-bottom correction without a banking crisis. With a banking crisis, you probably see a 50%, 60% correction. So even if we don't get that banking crisis, right, or that debt crisis, you're going to see these reductions just in a, in a tightening schedule um, in the stock market. And because we were so high, we're so overvalued at this point, and the economy is slowing down, 
there is no good outlook right now for the next six months to 12 months. But again, the question is, will the Fed be able to do this? Will they be able to reduce their balance sheet by $2 trillion? Will they be able to bring rates back to higher than they were in 2018 before they stopped? We don't know. We hope so, because it will create a healthier economy in the long run. But we also know that there's a good chance that within a few more corrections down in the stock market, you know, a few more down weeks, they could take the rate hikes off the table. They could go back to QE, start printing money again, which is just going to start the cycle back over and fuel the inflation even more. So I would not want to be the Federal Reserve chairman. I would not want to be Jerome Powell right now where he has no choice. It's, it's between a rock and a hard place. He does not have an issue uh, or does not have a solution. But the right solution for him is to manufacture the recession, tighten, get rid of the inflation. He has to do that. And he will save the U.S. dollar. He'll save our place as the world reserve currency. But if he doesn't, then we are in jeopardy of that. So um, I know that was a hard-hitting podcast. We went through a lot. Uh, but, you know, if you're one of my clients, we've been talking about this all year. Um, you know, we've been working through the portfolios, preparing our portfolios for what's going on. And, um, and if you're not a client and you want to discuss these further, all you have to do is go to freedomandwealthusa.com. Uh, go ahead and put your information in. We'll get you a financial plan. We'll get you an investment strategy report. We'll do an analysis of your portfolio that you have now. We'll even include your tax planning, a Roth conversion schedule. Um, we'll, we'll provide all this at no cost. It's a complimentary service. So again, freedomandwealthusa.com. Thank you for joining. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week. And we'll talk next week. Thank you. The opinions expressed by Brian Nicolaisen and guests on this radio show are their own and do not reflect the opinions of this radio station. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Nicolaisen Wealth Partners are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents.